go-to person you know that one person you go to when you need something for me growing up that person was my mom whenever I was sick I always wanted my mom to be there to help me get better when I was younger I always seemed to get really bad bronchitis at least twice a year to get all this nasty stuff in my lungs it would be really hard for me to breathe it was scary sometimes because I never felt like I could catch my breath the nighttime was the worst. For some reason, it always flared up as I was trying to go to bed. I remember crying out for my mom so many nights, and I was scared I was dying because it was so hard to breathe. And my mom would come in, she'd get me, she'd take me into the bathroom, she'd sit me down on the counter, she'd turn the shower on as hot as it would go, and let the steam build up. You know, and she'd rub some Vicks on my chest and my back and just sit with me in the bathroom until I calmed down wouldn't magically make everything all better. It's not like my mom could somehow clear my lungs with a snap of her fingers, but it would help, you know, just knowing that she was there, she was going to take care of me. Our guest today is former Vagabond missionary Felix. Felix served for three years in our Greenville, North Carolina site. Today, Felix shares a story of a time when he didn't have all the answers, but he was there when the teens he was serving needed him. I hope you enjoy. So growing up with a single mom and a mom who tried so hard to keep us out of poverty, I made it a very important part of my life to stay away from the inner city culture growing up. So when I when I joined Vagabond Missions, it was definitely going out of my comfort zone. And throughout my years at Vagabond, there was there's three kids in particular that I really connected well with. Uh, there's a lot of kids I connected with, but these three boys in particular, I connected really well with. I remember the first day meeting them, just like any other day, we pulled up in the van up to the school after school to, to pick kids up, to bring them to the underground, to just have some hangout after school. And one of the kids who hopped in, some of his friends had noticed he hopped into this van. And so these three boys, they walk up and, and one of the boys with his, he had a he had real nice clothes on, um, you know, he had some good style, but he kind of comes in and he makes this goofy looking face. And he goes like, what's going on here? And, the, and just, you can tell this charisma is emitting from this kid as well as the other two friends that he was with but this one kid in particular we, we explained to them what we were doing that we were having an after school hangout that we were just going to hang out play some games eat some food and they were like can anyone come and i was like yeah anyone can come if you want to come you know if you gotta ask your parents and they're like cool and they just hopped in the van and and that was how most kids got to know the underground was just coming and seeing what it was about. And so as I got to know these kids, um, man, these were the kids who were the life of the party. They're the ones who, who have everyone laughing and they're always in the center of attention. And not necessarily in a bad way, just 
they just had so much charisma and energy and and flow to them and everyone loved them and as these these three young men as they continued to come to the underground they continued to to make a bond with everyone who was around and as i got to know the kids one of them the I think he was the oldest of, of the three. He kind of fell off a little bit a, away from the the underground group. And, and he started going and hanging out with his own crew um, that he already had before meeting us at the underground. Meanwhile, the other two, as they continued to get involved, um, they would always have fun. They would always stick around. They'd be the life of the party. Everyone loved them. And I remember one day in particular, I was going to pick them up and noticed that one of them was now living with the other. And his, his living situations had changed Things with his uncle got a little weird, which is who he was living with. His uncle was in some trouble and he just needed somewhere to stay and he had nowhere else to go. And so these two boys, they were, they were like brothers. They were, they've always been close and they were, they were even closer now as they were living together. And as I was going to pick them up to have our, our breakout, as I came into their apartment complex, I saw the two of them standing outside and these two boys who were very charismatic, who were very fun loving. I saw in an instant just by their body language that something was wrong. Um, they were standing cross-armed and just staring with these I don't even know how to explain it with these eyes of, of worry and anger and frustration. And as I looked to see what they were, they were looking at, as I came around the corner, I saw a, a big crowd of, of people that were, that lived in the apartment complex. And there were two people in the middle of that crowd who were fighting. And one of the people who were fighting was an adult male, um, probably early twenties. And the other one was the third boy who was coming to hang out with us, their, their other friend who also lived in that area. And it had gotten to the point, at least when I pulled up, they weren't physically fighting um, because people in the crowd had certain them, pulling them away from each other. But it wasn't like your typical, like a high school fight where everyone is you know, where the, everyone in the crowd's cheering and they just people talking trash. Like there was, there was blood, there was, there was bruises. There was like clothes that they were wearing were ripped up. It was, you can tell that this was a real fight that they, they were out for blood. And I, I called the two boys over to my side of the van and I asked them what was going on. And they, they informed me that this fight was gang related. And Instantly, my heart dropped. And as I watched, I looked at the boys and I looked back at the crowd and I said, should I call the cops? 
is this something that I like, should I intervene? And they said, no, they were afraid that if I called the cops, we had this big 12 passenger van with vagabond missions on decal on the window. They were afraid that if I called the cops, they would know who did it. And it would either put the, our group in danger, the kids that were in their van in danger, or even what I was afraid of was putting them in danger that this gangs that were involved in this fight would see these two boys who had tried so hard to stay away from the gangs that they would now be seen as snitches and that they would have a target on their back. And so as I sat in the van, the phone in my hand down low, 911 ready to be called, I watched the fight and I watched these two boys watch and I could tell there was, there was something else going on. Like there was more, it was more than just a fight. I could tell because these boys weren't just like riled up or angry. If they, there was so much worry on their face. And so I sat there and I watched and I wasn't going to leave until I knew that this young man was okay. And, and I had to stop myself. It took everything inside of me to stop myself from going over there and pulling the boy away because I knew that he was already involved in something and it, as much as I wanted to help him, I also had to make sure that I wasn't getting the kids in the van all as involved as well. I needed to make sure I was protecting as much as I could. And that was, it was such a hard decision to make of what is the right thing to do? How do I intervene? How do I act? And as I sat there praying and worrying and wondering, like trying to figure out what the best course of action was, luckily a, a woman uh, came out and she, she drove up and they pulled this young man into the car and they sped off and the, the man who was fighting, trying to fight this boy, he chased after the car full sprint, almost caught up with the car and like swung at it, trying to break through the window. Uh, but luckily it, he didn't make contact and they drove away and they got away. And I looked at the boys. I was like, who was that? Is he okay? Is he, is he going to be all right? And they, they informed me that it was his aunt and that she lived a good distance out of town. And, um, and he would be all right that, you know, that her aunt, his aunt was, um, was trustworthy. And so as I saw everyone kind of disperse and stuff like that, I, the boys got in the van as asked if they were okay, asked if they still wanted to come. And they said, yes. I asked if he would be all right. They said, yes. So once I saw that the situation was diffused, I continued making the rounds, picking kids up and, uh, going back to the, the underground. Once we got there, I wanted to make sure my boys were really all right. Cause as we were driving, just looking back, you can just tell that they were shook to the core. And so I pulled them aside and I asked them to explain to me what had happened. And they informed me that just before I arrived, um, that this was some kind of gang related fight with, I don't know if you know anything about gangs, you know how it is. It's someone did something that made someone else mad. And so one gang retaliates and then the other gang retaliates back. And it's just this constant domino effect of retaliation and anger. And they informed me that it had gotten pretty serious. And just five minutes before I showed up, the man had pulled out a gun and was holding the gun to the young man who I had been working with his head. 
and they informed me that they were standing there watching someone who had been a brother to them, one of their best friends, moments away from possibly having his life taken. And the pain that I saw in their eyes was heart-wrenching. I felt so helpless in that situation. I felt like there was nothing I could do to not only help them, but to help that boy who was involved. Part of me wishes I had gotten there sooner. Part of me wishes that I would have gotten there before the fight even happened and would have just taken him into the van. Everything inside of me wishes that I could have fixed the situation, but I had nothing to offer. And it, it was just so frustrating and so heartbreaking. And I watched as these young men who had tried so hard to stay away from gangs looked at me and asked why that this kind of stuff was allowed to happen. Each of them knew people in their families, close friends who had been killed from gang violence. And they thought they were gonna lose one of their best friends to it as well. And I didn't have any answers for them. All I could do was assure them that I was there for them, that I loved them, that God loved them, and that I would do everything I could to help them. These two boys were very talented. One of them was an excellent dancer. Um, he's, he's continuing to dance um, at, at college and, and he's, he's awesome. He's doing great with dancing. And the other one is a, he's a football player. He's an artist. He, oh man, the art that he does is killer. These two boys are so talented and they could have easily been pulled into the game violence that they despise so much as well. But the underground was able to provide them with a home, somewhere where they can goof off, where they could be themselves, where they can dance and create art and just have the fun that they wanted to have without dealing with the drama of gangs and the violence that it brings and the chaos that it brings. And so I'm, I'm grateful for my time in Vagabond that I was able to help provide that home to these young men, a place where they could be safe, um, and explore themselves and not have to worry about that violence and that hatred. And I wish I had some like super happy ending to the story where, you know, the boy ended up coming back and really getting involved in the underground and, and left the gang. But uh, he ended up staying with his auntie for a few months and he ended up coming back and he, he hung out at the underground a few times after that. Um, and I had talks with them to see if he was okay and if there's anything I could do to help. Uh, but I'm pretty sure he continued to be involved with the gang, um, though he tried. He tried to pull away, but I think he he continued in some way, shape, or form. And unfortunately, that was about the time that I left Vagabond. So, and I haven't been able to keep in touch with them as as much as I would like to, um, just because their numbers changed so much, and I just I've just lost contact with with that one in particular. Um, but the other two boys are doing great. They they've made great lives for themselves and they're, they're continuing to move on. And I think about that moment often, that moment of that hopelessness, 
the moments in life where someone that we love is going through something and there's not really much we can do other than just to be there and provide love, safety, and comfort. And that is one of the most grateful moments I have for Vagabond to help me to learn to be okay with not having answers. Um, to be okay with not being able to solve people's problems. Um, and more importantly, to learn to be able to just love people in the mess, the same way that Jesus enters our messy lives and loves us in that without, you know, asking us to fix it first. Life is messy. Life sucks sometimes and it hurts. But there's always that chance to, to be love and to find love and peace in the mess, which I find comforting. You ever, were you ever like scared as a missionary? Like that you, like something like with, with being like seeing gang violence and stuff like that or seeing violence and, and were you like ever scared that something was going to happen to you? Yeah. Yeah. All, not all the time, but there's been a few times, <laughs> um, in particular when we had first started out, we were in a different location, closer to the school, right next to some stores. It was a cool location, um, but we had just all kinds of people stopping by. And at the very beginning, there were some people who tried to use our our ground since we were so close to the school as a place to settle fights, as a place to, to come in and do you know, whatever between gangs and, and different things like that. Um, it was very minor and, and, and whatnot, luckily, because we nipped it in the bud right, right away. Um, but there were uh, another few times where one of the kids that I worked with, he, I found out that allegedly, according to some of the other kids, I never saw it, but allegedly um, he brought a, a gun to the underground. Um, and we had some kids who who came with the intention to fight. Um, and we just had to, we just had to make sure that they knew that this wasn't the place for that. So there were definitely times where um, kids themselves involved were, were the acts were the ones causing the violence. Um, and then there were times where I'd be walking through neighborhoods and um, things would be going on and I, I was just in a pla the wrong place at the wrong time kind of deal. And yeah, there were definitely situations where I remember, I remember one time we were, when I was doing the rounds and picking kids up in our van, uh, someone was driving particularly slow. And this doesn't have to do with gangs necessarily, but just a little funny story. Um, someone was driving particularly slow in front of us and the girl who was sitting in the passenger seat, she thought it'd be funny if she reached over and honked the horn at them. And uh, so she reached over and she slammed on the horn and blasted it at them. And the person just stopped in the middle of the road, just slammed on their brakes. And I remember in that instance, just instantly thinking like, these people are gonna get out of their vehicles and they're gonna either wanna fight 
they're going to have something to say. Like all these thoughts are running through my head of like, am I going to have to speed past them? Am I going to have to kick in the reverse? Am I going to have to try to defuse the situation? Like what's going to go on? Are they going to come out with a gun? Uh, and luckily it was, it was nothing. They just stopped and they were like, okay, if you want to rush, you can go around us. So they didn't even get out of their vehicles. So I just sped around them luckily, but it's, it's that environment where when you have these kids whose lives are potentially in your hand and you know, the environments that they're surrounded in, you, I, I just found myself always on edge. Always with that possibility of like what could happen. And that, that freaked me out. How did you learn to like deal with that? Um, dealing with it was a whole complicated thing because I don't think I ever fully was able to comprehend it. I think I just accepted it as like their reality and I had to look at myself and how I could best protect the kids. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a big person. I'm not a strong person. I'm not, I'm intimidating to some people, but that's just because I'm, I look crazy. Uh, I'm not, you know, and so some people don't know what to expect when they see me, but um, I'm not someone who's going to win a fight. Not easily, at least. I don't know how to fight. I've never been in a fight. I've been beat up, but I've never been in a fight. Um, and so for me, it was a lot of learning, okay, how am I going to protect my kids? What, you know, coming up with backup plans of escape, you know, making, I found myself always like looking for escape routes. I found myself always, you know, and it's not necessarily like, I wasn't like always in a panic mode kind of deal. Like it was like, I always like was worrying about something happening, but it was like, if I can't physically protect my kids, I want to make sure that they can at least get away while I try to defuse the situation. And I know where I can send them. I know I have somewhere safe where they can be. Um, luckily, respect is, is a thing. And so people respected what we did enough that like once word got around with who we are and, and what we do, most people, including the gangs that we are involved with, had enough respect that they knew not to to mess with us and they even offered like they're like look this is a safe place like if anything ever happens we got your back kind of deal and so that was kind of comforting to know that like at least some of the people were like they knew who we were and i knew some people were looking out for us and then we also like we had good relations with cops and and stuff like that so we knew we were, our place was safe it was just a matter of how do I keep my kids safe? How do I help them the most that worry me the most? And that is a wrap. We thank you so much for listening to this episode of Vagabond Missions Podcast. A special thanks goes out to Felix for being our guest on the show. And as always, a big thank you to our producer, Dan Bozak from Aardvark Productions. My name is Mark Pierre, and it's been a pleasure to be your host. To learn more about Vagabond Missions or to join us on this adventure, please check us out at vagabondmissions.com. Peace.